Welcome to the Fuck Saving Face podcast. I'm your host, Judy Tsui, and together we'll explore mental and emotional health for Asian Americans, especially breaking through any taboo topics. Life may not always be pretty, but it is indeed beautiful. Let's make your story beautiful today. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for all the new listeners. If you are brand new here, please check out my previous episodes. I've been publishing three episodes a week where we explore one cohesive theme. And on Mondays, there's a personal essay. On Wednesdays, there's an interview with an expert to elaborate on that theme. And on Fridays, there's a mindfulness practice to tie it all together and offer an opportunity for healing and reflection. I also wanted to say that we are about to wrap up season one. There are about four more interviews, give or take, depending on what pops up. I like to kind of be organic and go with the flow and at the same time have a little bit of structure, which totally reflects my personality. But We will be taking a break for about a month, a month and a half, and during that time, I'll be appearing on other people's podcasts and really gathering up a lot of new direction for season two. I'm excited for what's to come, and I hope you will stay tuned. And if you haven't had a chance to explore previous episodes, there's so many fascinating topics, so many incredible guests who've shared beautiful insights that I hope it's an opportunity for you to go back through and really partake in a lot of this evergreen content. Uh, A lot of the lessons are designed so that, you know, you'll find them, I believe, when it's divinely timed. So when you exactly need to hear that message in your own life. It's funny because this weekend we were at a kid's birthday party, my daughter and I, and it was with this family from her Waldorf school. So they're preparing to move. And this was one of the last opportunities that we were going to get to connect. And I actually haven't had a chance to really get to know this family until just now. And what's interesting to me is that I had a life coach once tell me that when you're preparing to make a change in your life, a big change like a move or some other comparable transition, you start to create all of this energy behind you. There's suddenly this electrified momentum and people start to gravitate towards that. So you might notice in your own life that people have come out of the woodwork when you've decided to, let's say, make a move or you know, shift something big in your life. At the end of the party, we were sitting there and I was talking with a father and he's created a very successful entrepreneurial career based on, you know, several consumer product goods. And so he's in the middle of writing his memoir, a story about how he started his company and all the lessons that he's learned along the way. So I jokingly said, oh, so did you figure out the answer to life? And he was like, no, no way. I'm like, ah, I thought that you were going to be the one who was going to tell me what the secret to everything was, how to unlock everything. And so we started laughing about that. And then I said, or I could just be your life coach and tell you that you have the answer within. Isn't that what every single life coach, every single teacher ends up telling us is that we are on our own individual journeys and we invest all of this time and energy and money in someone else telling us what to do or guiding us along, which I will be the first to raise my hand and say that I've invested over, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in different programs, personal education, healing modalities life coaches, business coaches, business strategists, because I've always been seeking for someone else outside of me to tell me what is right or wrong. And a lot of this has been from my own personal upbringing of not having really stable parental figures who could guide me along my path and also having immigrant parents who didn't know how things work. They didn't know about how to apply to college or, you know, get into a good school other than what they were hearing from other members in the community. So a lot of what I've created in my life has been through personal 
self-development, my own tenacity and resolve, my own self-directed will to just go figure it out. And because of that, I've also kind of placed my confidence in someone else's hands where I've continually used other people as a check and balance to see, am I doing this right? Am I living my life accordingly? Am I doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing to be accepted? And so it's been a big journey for me, especially because I'm also a self-proclaimed nerd. If I could just go to school forever and just learn and learn and learn, I would love to do that. So in a way, I'm taking that tendency and I'm learning how to build an inner state of guidance as well as, you know, I'm still going to be that perpetual nerd. I'm still going to want to learn everything that I possibly can. And in that endeavor, in interviewing all of these experts, I hope that it offers some insight to help you navigate your own path and to take what works for you and to leave the rest. I used to say that in teaching yoga all the time, just if it fits, great. If it doesn't, just let it float on by. Ultimately, I want to say thank you because you are helping to hold space for me to learn and grow and process and share and to hopefully make meaning of the things that I have done in my life, whether they were triumphs or mistakes. And in that goal, I'm simultaneously hoping that you know that you're not alone in whatever it is that you're going through. There's this book called Love Poems from God, and I'm not a religious person, but there's all these beautiful poems in it that are from all these mystics over time, so over millennia. And what I find fascinating is that the topics that they're writing about, the things that they're struggling with, the things that they're celebrating, the things that they're sharing, transcend time. They are still as relevant today as they were when these you know, profound figures wrote them in whatever time they were living in, which just goes to show that so much of this is about the human experience and it's shared. We're not weird and wrong or making all these mistakes for no reason. It's simply part of this self-mastery course that we are all on and that we're all seeking some sort of answer. We're all on a quest that's very similar. And while the expression is going to be absolutely different and unique for each and every one of us, there is that shared humanity and that shared journey that we're all on. So I hope that, you know, this entire podcast just provides an opportunity for you to explore it with other people. For today and for this week's theme, we are going to be talking about sustainability, which is a topic very near and dear to my heart. I've always felt genuinely like my heart was breaking or bleeding whenever I saw the things that were happening to the planet. And I've heard both this idea that, you know, we could do whatever we can, but it's the big corporations that need to change because until they do, all of our efforts can seemingly be trivial or small. And then on the other end of that spectrum, I've heard that, you know, every single one of us can make such a huge difference by choosing more intentionally and more consciously with greater education and understanding of the impact of everything that we do. So wherever you fall in that spectrum, I hope that this essay today and the interview that I have on Wednesday with Daisy Chen Hutton, who used to be in fashion at big global brands and then realized how much waste was happening, that she started moving towards a sustainable effort when it came to still pursuing something she was very passionate about, which is fashion. And then on Friday, the mindfulness practice where when I was working at the mindfulness app in LA, 
one of the categories that I was working on was eco grief. And it's a very real stressor that a lot of people go through. So hopefully that mindfulness practice on Friday will offer some sort of alleviation of stress as well as a deeper recognition of the responsibility that we can all have to be part of this global fabric of the world. Alrighty, here's today's essay. Sometimes when I'm with my partner, I feel a little sheepish that I save the Ziploc bags. He makes his daughter smoothies in the mornings, and sometimes after I've stayed over and they've all left the house, I help tidy up. I'm neat. I can't help it. My parents tried their best to keep the house tidy, but it always felt a mess. So my youngest brother and I are a little compulsive when it comes to clean, while my middle siblings aren't quite the same. My partner also likes to be clean, and I recognized just how much when I walked into his bedroom for the first time and glanced into his closet and saw how every single button-down shirt was hung in an organized fashion on the rack. All the shoes were lined up. Everything was almost sorted by color. Oh wow, I thought, he's genuinely neat. So, one morning, while I was doing the dishes, I washed the plastic straws in addition to the rest of the pots and pans. One of my first gifts to him was actually a metal straw. Then, when I was getting ready to leave his house, I left a note. Hi love, hope you had a great day. I love you. I tidied up. Also, I washed the plastic straws because... dot dot dot. Earth. I wrote Earth in capital letters. We leave each other notes. We live in separate houses and both have children and lives, so we do our best to stay connected. When he got home, he texted me a thank you. Then he said, I swear I washed the plastic straws and reused them. While working at the mindfulness app in Los Angeles last year, I was tasked to write about eco-grief. I knew the pain well. I began to read in National Geographic about whether the planet could actually be saved, or if the predictions are true, that we're already too far down the road of destruction to be able to quote-unquote solve climate change. That these two dates matter, 2030 and 2050. Because by 2050 at the latest, and ideally by 2040, we must have stopped emitting more greenhouse gases into the atmosphere than Earth can naturally absorb through its ecosystems, a balance known as net zero emissions or carbon neutrality. In the book, The Future We Choose, Surviving the Climate Crisis, the goal of having global emissions by 2030 represents the absolute minimum we must achieve if we are to have at least a 50% chance of safeguarding humanity from the worst impacts. We are in the critical decade. All of this stresses me out to no end. Then I hear from Safadine Amus's The Bitcoin Standard podcast, where he's talking about everything from Elon Musk saying these things about the dangers of coal mining when it comes to crypto and how there's a man named Bjorn Lomborg who calls himself the skeptical environmentalist because he went from a thousand percent we're killing the planet to a now more moderated view that all of this hype and fear isn't actually where we're headed. How do you know? How do I know that I'm not killing this beautiful planet we live on for my daughter? And what will my six-year-old have to deal with in the future? What planet is she inheriting? If I'm not using every single piece of something, then I feel wasteful. When I was growing up, bone marrow was an essential thing to eat because we were going to chew the bones in our brothy soup and our pai gu fen until they were macerated beyond belief to get every piece of fat and flesh off of our dinner. But now, bone marrow? It's a delicacy, a luxury. $50 for a plate? When my friend moved from Taiwan back to California before I did, she asked if she could give me everything in her fridge. She told me how much this alleviated her stress of being wasteful. When I moved back to California a month later, I did the same thing. I gave everything, cups, cleaning supplies, frozen dumplings to my neighbor Ivan. Are you sure you want to give this to me? He asked. 
Yes, yes, yes. Because to think that it would go to waste would hurt my heart. I think these were some of the subtle lessons I learned growing up Chinese. These days, I drive a Prius, which I was later told by my friend is apparently not as eco-friendly as I think, because it uses both the electric power and an actual engine. The guilt that settles in when I think about that. I also don't really know how to compost, but I want to, but worms. And yet, I reuse every bag I can. I wrap gifts in Amazon brown paper stuffing, and then I put pretty washi tape over it or I have my daughter draw on it. I reuse glass jars, and I try to buy only glass when shopping at the grocery store. I buy sustainable clothing, even from the big-name brands, knowing that fast fashion hurts the planet and the people on it, especially after learning from my friend Joanna, who started a sustainable poncho and textile company called Mar Ilana, where she's supporting local artisans in her native Colombia, and she told me how vital it is to think about the goods we purchase, where they're coming from, how it's not only the impact on the planet, but the people who make them. She's helping to sustain a tradition with these men in these communities who are artisans and who still use a loom to create the beautiful ponchos she sells. All of these things are what I think people mean when they say we are all connected, that we are all one. My friend Zoli runs an organic farm on Kauai, and I've learned so much about how to think about the planet and the people on it through her. She told me she loves a great secondhand thrift store near me when she came out to visit that one of my other most stylish friends, Brett, loves. And so, in a way, it's just this little way to keep ourselves and our kids styling without creating more, without going to Target and buying the most adorable goods, knowing that it won't last forever. And the way that it's produced isn't taking into consideration the legacy effect of what we're investing in. But this is all required reframing because growing up, my Chinese mother never let me borrow clothes or buy secondhand. That was seen as poor, and even though we were so in debt as a family that sometimes our phone line would get disconnected, we weren't supposed to look like it. But eventually, buying secondhand became hip, and eventually, my mother learned not to say so much. I'm not perfect. I'm doing my best. It does make me feel good to know that I don't throw out much trash these days except for whatever can go into the green waste. Our waste mostly comes from home-cooked meals. And because my taste buds also changed after my daughter was born, eating out wasn't that exciting anymore. And I don't love sweets the same. Instead, I cook with her. I bake. I make things that look fancy, but are actually incredibly simple. When my daughter and I watched a documentary about the ocean, she immediately started crying as she saw that the coral was being bleached. That our impact on this beautiful blue planet means that other systems are dying. She didn't need to know the science behind the fact that the coral dying was bad. She intuitively knew that this destruction was terrible for all, and she had a visceral response to it. There are parts of me that still want to buy all the things, but my consciousness has expanded so I can't do it the same without the guilt-free spending of yesteryears. I used to have such an extensive closet that when I moved from Santa Monica to San Diego, I started giving all of my things away to the women who I work with at Neutrogena. To the point that when I would bring in bags of clothes, they were asking, how big is your closet actually? There's that saying, know better, do better, which I think is also hard because sometimes I think we know better, but for whatever reason, we can't do better, except I think that we all do try. My neighbor, Carrie, who's become like family, has told me that people have commented to her before. They've never seen someone reuse so many bags or 
reused so many plastic containers. She used to teach kids about nutrition, and she'd share to parents who were in underprivileged neighborhoods. She would always encourage the parents and the kids to do the best that you can, and that you're not going to tell a single mom to buy only organic if what she can do after a long-ass 12-hour shift making minimum wage is to make mac and cheese out of a box for herself and her kids. I think that given all of the expectations and obligations that we have in our lives, that we are all doing the best that we can. And for those of us who can do better, I hope that we do in a way that gives back to the greater good. I've been learning a lot about cryptocurrency lately, why we're endeavoring to move away from a centralized system of money. And so much of this flows into needing a deregulation of a number of industries that would actually behoove us as a huge global culture. On one of those podcast episodes that I mentioned earlier in the Bitcoin standard, I learned that it used to be that the wealthy in Greece supported those less able, that they funded the programs the poor needed in a process called voluntary taxation. Their names were put on plaques to demonstrate their responsibility, their giving. It was a system of give and take, of those with more helping those with less, and of public recognition of that responsibility. But then we started taxing those who couldn't afford it, whose only asset was their labor and their time. We created more inequity. There's a whole book around this by Dominic Frisbee called Daylight Robbery, How Tax Shaped Our Past and Will Change Our Future. All of these circumstances, all of these things that as we learn more and more about, we understand how we got to where we are now, the impact that we're making, and the choices that we have to change what's coming in the future. Honestly, I'm only just learning about sustainability in all ways, from what we can do for our planet, to our choices, to our investments, and reframing this belief that I grew up with that I don't actually need to buy more to make it look like I'm doing better. But instead, if my core values center on connection, on being authentic, and on empowering others to create more access to what's essential for all, like mental and emotional health, then maybe one of my greatest impacts can also come from making as little of an environmental impact as possible, except when it comes to improving our relationships with ourselves and with others. This week's episode on Wednesday features an interview with Daisy Chen Hutton, who used to work at big name global fashion brands like Guess, and then she realized that fashion was contributing to waste on such a huge monumental scale that she wanted to create a different model of how to love clothes and love fashion without hurting the environment. Tune in on Wednesday when we talk about the cultural lens of doing good for the planet. If you come from immigrant parents who may have created a mindset around scarcity, or what success looks like. And then tune in on Friday when I offer an eco grief meditation to help manage some of the stress that we might be feeling, whether it's subtle or strong in our psyche. As a reminder, season one will soon be ending. So if you've liked what you've listened to thus far, I highly encourage you to leave a review. It helps me to have momentum to keep moving forward and creating more episodes, knowing that I'm producing content out there, which is serving you and the greater good. And you can always email me at hello at fucksavingface.com to share what you would like to learn more about for season two. I look forward to connecting with you in a future episode. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard and know someone in your life who might also benefit from hearing this episode, please feel free to share it with them. Also, if you'd like to support our show, you can make a one-time donation at fucksavingface.com 
or you can make a recurring donation at patreon.com forward slash fuck saving face. That's fuck without the U. Subscribe today to stay tuned for all future episodes.